Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, what's up? Good morning. Let me just say, say something, guys. Um, when they announced the She Conference, there was a lot more praise and a lot more clapping than there was for the men's thing coming up. Hey, we got man night coming up next Sunday, Sunday evening. It's going to be a good night, man. Sign up for that. And then uh, you heard a little bit about connect groups. That is how we do life around here. And so um, it's cool to come on Sunday morning and get the word, but it's also powerful to get into community, become family. Second part of our mission statement is to find family. So this is not just a philosophy. It's not just a a corporation. This is the family of God. And so um, we want to encourage you. Maybe uh, you've never led a group, never been in a group. We don't know. But uh, come talk to us. We'd love to kind of empower you maybe to even lead a group. Maybe you've been going to a group and you're like, I don't know if I can lead one. Man, we'll walk with you and uh, help train you. We're not going to leave you out there on your own. So we'd love to have you do that. You can do that all the way. We just had a training, but we can do that all the way up to the launch. And so let us know if you're interested in stepping out and doing that. We're in a series called Devoted. And um, it comes from a little verse in uh, 2 Corinthians 16, uh, 15, where, where Paul's speaking to us about a family and the husband's name Stephanus and the family has gotten saved. They're kind of the first fruits of Paul's ministry under Paul's t- uh, teaching. They get saved. And then Paul makes a statement. He says, I want you to imitate um, and submit yourself to, to people like this, the family of Stephanus, who have, who have addicted themselves who have devoted themselves, two translations say different words, but it's the word addicted, who have addicted themselves to the service of the saints. And literally he's saying that, that there's all types of addictions that we're gonna have in the world because you were created to be addicted to something. That's, your, that's how God designed you to be addicted to him. So the first week we talked about really being addicted to God. Uh, God wants to be first, right? Have no other gods before me. Um, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't leave your first love. God's desire is for, you to be fir- for him to be first, number one. And so, and so there's this addiction in our life. Um, it's not a negative thing, but if we don't fill it with the right thing, it becomes a negative thing. And so he says, look at this man's Stephanus and his family, model them, actually submit to people like that and addict yourselves to serving the saints. Like love the world, yes, and do that and serve, but, but first addict yourself to serving one another. To uh, Let me just make it real practical. Addict yourself to going out to the connection area and signing up for a team. Oh, that's early. I'm going to be there 45 minutes before first service starts. That's 8.15. And I go to the 10.30. That means I got to show up at 9.45. Like, oh, no. Addict yourself. Not to sleep. Not to comfort on Sunday. Not to just getting fed. Addict yourself. I mean, can I be your pastor for a minute? This room, this, this church is full of this service right now. I don't know. I mean, maybe you just came. If you're a guest with us, this isn't to you. Next week, this will be to you. You get one week. You family next week. <laughs> uh, but I just, I would just, we want to addict ourselves. Addict ourselves to joining up to a connect group. Addict ourselves to opening our home up and inviting some strangers in and some friends in and having a meal together and talking about the gospel. Addict yourself. There's a lot of addictions. And I, I'm not saying that we're not going to have TV series we like or golf games we like or going out on the boat we like. I mean, all that's fine. But what do we first addict ourselves to, right? What's the overflow of our life? And so I want to encourage you in this series, the next few weeks, I got this week and then next week, um, I felt really led by the Spirit to teach and preach what I'm preaching this week um, because of last week, and I'll tell you why. And then um, next week, I'm going to deal with the last part of Devoted, and then we're going to do a series in September um, called Head Trauma. 
And so it's going to be a good series all around head trauma. We're going to get rid of some anxiety and some depression and some fear and some different things that that traumatize our minds um, in this month of September. So uh, let's jump in. Here's what we've been looking at. We looked at being addicted to God first, his presence. Last week, we looked at being addicted to the altar of God, not letting the altar be altered, Not, not, not us altering the altar, but letting the altar alter us. Culture and all the different gods in society and everything that that's try, they're trying to do, they want to they change the word of God, remove the foundation of God, alter God's truth. So, so that's, a, that's somewhere that we find ourselves right now in culture. But I thought it's so important this week I needed to come back on the other side of that and be real strong about what that really looks like when we deal with people. Because, because we can take all types of stances on the word of God and really harm and hurt people if we don't have the love of God in the right way in our life. Let me, let me say it this way. Romans 5, Paul says an interesting statement. You know the story. Uh, you know the scripture. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Then Paul goes on to say something like this. Who can separate us from the love of God? And then he says, can famine, can tribulation, can pestilence, can sword, can nakedness, can hunger? Nakedness is the southern version of nakedness. Can nakedness, <laughs> can, and he, he says, who can separate me from the love of God? Who? And then he lists a bunch of what's. Who can separate me from the love of God? Sword, famine, pestilence, nakedness, persecutions, tribulations. What Paul is saying is most of the what's in your life come through the who's. And if we get the who and the what confused, we'll end up hating the who trying to stand against the what. Does that make sense? And so we're not called to hate the who. We're called to battle against the what. We're called to be at the right altar. We're called to surrender our life to Christ. We're called to let him do the work. But we're called to love and, 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 and reach the who and not get confused when something, when sword or peril or famine comes through some, that boss, come on, that coworker. It's not them. They can't separate us from the love of God. And we have to make sure that we don't become a hater in a culture that hates everything. That we don't become a count, canceler in cancel culture. Does that make sense? And so in the house of God, I felt like we needed to go double down on, on loving people and not, not being haters. If we're going to stand on the truth of God, I think we don't compromise the truth of God, but it has to be from the right heart and the right source. You might be a hater if when you're speeding, you see a police officer turn his lights on, pull the guy over next to you, and you thank Jesus. <laughs> You might be a hater if you've ever gone to Chick-fil-A and stolen one of your children or spouse's french fries out of the box on the way back to the table or the house. And then you said, it fell out the box. It was in the bottom of the bag. You lying. That wasn't in the bottom of the bag. You took that right out of the carton. You might be a hater if you've ever acted like you liked the gift and faked it but didn't. <laughs> you might be a hater if you ever laughed at your, a fake laughed at a boss's joke or your pastor's joke. You might be a hater if you've ever passed gas and let someone else take the blame. Those are just, those, those could be <laughs> hater moments. John 4, 4 through 26, it says, now he had to go 
through Samaria. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's very important that John categorizes and classifies this very first and foremost. The beginning of a ministry sets the precedent for the entire ministry. And so Jesus wants us to know off the bat, now he had to go through Samaria. Had to. It wasn't a choice. He was ordered and ordained by the foundations of the earth from, from God's plan and design and destiny. Come on, there's some things you've had to go through. There's some things you had to walk through. There's some things that you had to go through. God led you the whole way. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was noonday. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to buy some food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, I know that if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket to draw and the well's deep. We always, we always love to throw Jesus out all the natural predicaments when he's trying to give us supernatural solutions. You, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to help me? When, when, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I, might, I won't be thirsty and I don't have to keep coming out here to draw water. Give me this water, God. I don't want to thirst, but I don't want to keep coming to this place at noon. I don't want to keep coming out here to this same place. I don't want to keep going through this same situation of my day. Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can perceive you're a prophet. Really? <laughs> That's good. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. Seems like she changes the subject, but I propose she doesn't. She's actually asking a question. I, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we're supposed to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, woman, he replied, believe me, a time's coming when you will worship the Father, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's not about a place. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The Father's looking for you. He's seeking you. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the, the Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the living water. My title for today is Labels, Love, and Living Water. Labels, Love, and Living Water. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for living water. Thank you that you gave living water to this woman. Thank you that you gave us this story at the beginning of your ministry. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the thing that quenches our addictions. You quench our thirst. You satisfy that Lord, any label that we carry into this place today, anything we've been labeled with or labeled others with, I pray that you would wash it off today with living water in Jesus matchless name. Amen. Amen. Labels, love and living water. I had a, a my stepmother uh, growing up and um, she, she was into labels. She loved labels. Come on. She had one of those little label makers. Come on. Where are all my, who's got a, remember the old school label makers? You, you just, oh yeah. I mean, there's just something satisfying about click, 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 
click. And now they probably have electronic ones. You know what I mean? I'm talking about old school. I'm talking about road dial. Come on, somebody. You know, you turn the thing. You got the, the alphabet and numbers. You got all of the enunciations. <laughs> You're like, try, click, click. It takes you like four hours to write your name. You know what I mean? And then she would label everything. She would label. I mean, I was the only kid at the time in the house. She'd label my toothbrush. I'm like, man, that's my brush. Like, I'm the only kid here. Like, she labeled, like, my lunchbox. She labeled my, I mean, I go to school. I'm embarrassed. I got labels on my lunchbox, labels on my pencils, labels on my books, lab, little big giant labels, different size labels with my name on it. And, and the thing about the labels is they were always easy to put on but hard to get off. You ever try to take a label off or a sticker off? It always leaves that little gooey residue, right? There's always a little residue when you try to take the label off. We didn't have gooby gone back then. You know, we just, we're just trying to scrub it off and use your thumb and trying to, trying to just squeegee it off with your thumb. Anybody? And so it's easy for a label to go on and hard for it to go off. And as humans, we love to label things. We love to put labels on stuff. We love to label people. We love to label groups of people. We love just to, 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 to stick labels on. I want to ask you what labels have been labeled onto you. What labels have been stuck onto you throughout your life? What labels have you labeled yourself with? What labels in your mind do you, do you label yourself with? What labels have others labeled? What, what have you labeled others? We love labels. We love labels like damaged, unworthy, clumsy, ugly, worthless, used, rich, poor, good, bad, popular, unpopular, divorced, addicted, ruined, slut, uh, unworthy, uh, just, just unho un, uh, not good, bad, upper class, lower class, middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Democrat, Republican, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, them, us, they, those, Californians. <laughs> Y'all laugh too hard at that. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, Southerners, Northerners. Labels, 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 labels. John has given us the beginning of Jesus' ministry and showing us what Jesus does in the middle of a society, of a culture that had been labeled. Jesus is showing how important it is and what he has as a precedent for into a story about labels, love, and living water. Jesus says, listen, I'm getting ready, literally in this story, I'm getting ready to peel off a label off an entire culture of people. I'm getting ready to remove a label that's been stuck onto an entire group of people. Verse four, it says he had to go through Samaria, had to, was planned by God to a town of Sychar. The word Sychar means drunken. The whole town was named drunken. They probably had some stuff happening in that town. Jesus is like, I got to go through the drunken town. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They hate each other. This is one of the most controversial verses in the Bible when it comes to our Savior, the most holy man on the planet. God himself shows up and talks to a woman that no one else would talk to. No one would talk to Samaritans. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They hated one another. And a Jew would never be caught alive talking to this woman. And now here's the holiest man on the planet. What had happened in this culture, Assyria had invaded Israel years prior. And when Assyria invaded Israel, they actually removed all of what we would call the, the top notch of, of the positions and the, the financial realms and all the, all the influencers in the nation. They removed them and took them captive. And then what they did was in place of them, they repopulated the area. They repopulated Israel with five known enemies of Israel. 
and the people they had taken captive from other nations, they infiltrated them and put them into the population of Israel and then began to get them to intermarry. And so as they began to intermarry and began to, to, to kind of have different values and different cultural values from what God's people were, and now all of a sudden there's a group of people they called Samaritans that were, had lost their families and their friends and been kind of infiltrated by their enemies. Now they've intermarried. Now they're polytheistic and they're worshiping many gods and not just one God. Now... Their family that they're half related to hates them for it. Usually you hate the people you're half like. Because you see a little bit of yourself in them. And so we see this scene where Jesus shows up and breaks all the rules. He shows up and he does not reinforce the prejudice. He does not reinforce the discrimination. He shows up to show radical love and civility. He shows up to show us how we're to speak to people and love people that are different culturally. We're in a day and age where the same type of thing we could feel as God's people is happening in culture, different regions, different people, enemies of God, polytheism, different cultures, different, different agendas and programs, and all of it's getting mixed. And here we are as God's kids called to go out and reach that, told to go out and love that and figure out how to infiltrate. There's huge parallels in our society right now with what Jesus was facing walking into Samaria. And here's the deal. He didn't just have to go through Samaria. That's too general. He had to meet a lady. He had to encounter this woman and he knew the conversation he was going to have with her. And it was, it was planned, ordained. He had to have it. Here's what God wants you and I to understand. Samaria cannot be a place without a face. Samaria is too general. He went through Samaria he had to go through Samaria. No, no, no. He had to go through Samaria to put a face to it, to put a face to the prejudice and a face to the discrimination and a face to the pain and a face to the label and a face to what this woman had gone through. In today's modern day of media and social media and the division and the, and the cultural divide and all the different gods and all the different opinions and all the different things, it's, sometimes it's easy just to hate the who for the what. And we're called to make a stand for God, but to figure out how to love and show radical civility and kindness to people that have been through some stuff. He puts a face on it. We see this woman's pain. We see the dysfunction. We see the multiple marriages. We see that she probably lost her family to some of the Assyrian infiltration and her history had been annihilated. And now she's stuck in a, in a, in a, in a culture and doesn't know what to do. And her own family hates her. We don't, we don't, we don't get all that just thinking he went through Samaria. It's just, no, he had to put a a face to it. This is what Jesus wants me to know and you to know. We got to see people as persons, not groups. We got to see people as people, not just groups of people that we can end up having a story about in 120 characters and rip their head off. Come on, somebody. God takes us beyond that. He says, I meet this woman and I put a face to it. There's pain, there's relationships, there's brokenness. So the picture is the sixth hour, verse six. He comes up on her in this sixth hour and he says, hey, do you have any water? It's noon. The sixth hour is noon. She's been out there getting water at noon. No women got the water at noon because it was the hottest time of day. They would always go out and get water in the cool of the morning or the evening. They never went at noon. She had to go at noon because she was a disgrace in her community. She had to go at noon because all the others talked about her and they whispered about her and she felt shame and, and, and despised because of what she'd been through and people had counted her out. So she'd go out there undercover at noon to get water. She'd been labeled. It's not the normal time. And Jesus says, hey, I'm thirsty. Do you have any water? And this is what she does. She goes, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. She labels him. Do you know those that have been labeled are the quickest to label? 
So, so often when we've been labeled by something or someone in our life or heard or kind of have that, that residue on us of a label, we're the fastest to throw a label out onto others. And she says, hey, you're a Jew. We, we, we don't have any, 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 any interaction. There's no way. And she labels him. And she says, look, we don't mix. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you living water. And what he's saying is if you could see beyond the label, if you could see beyond the discrimination, if you could see beyond the stereotype, if you could see beyond the, the prejudice, if you could see beyond the, the, the classification of labels that the society's put on people, you would, you would ask for living water. Jesus is saying this, that, that there's living water, that there's labels that you've allowed to, to quench the refreshing that God wants you to have from certain relationships in him in your life. Sometimes when we go by labels, then there's certain refreshing God would want to bring into our life through being used by him or reaching people or loving people or serving him or, or connecting to him. But labels will keep us separated from, from that refreshing at times. And so here's the reality. You and I have a choice every day, a label or living water. That's the choice. A, a, a label of what they are or they said or I am or what I've, or I'm going to go to living water. And many times it's easier to go back to what I've identified myself with or find some identity apart from saying, you know what, Jesus, I need a drink. I need living water. We can't allow labels to limit the relationship that we have with God and others. She's like, you don't even have a bucket. How can you help me? He said, look, ask for living water and you'll never thirst again. And this is what she says. She goes, I want that. She goes, I don't want to come to this well anymore at noon and drink. I don't, I don't want to come out to this place in the heat and be reminded of my shame any longer. I don't want to come out to this place in the heat of day and be reminded of my guilt or my sin any longer. I don't want to come out to this place and be reminded of my misery. I don't want to come out here any longer and be reminded of the regrets and the shame and the mistakes. Can I tell you all that we all have a noonday well we drink from too often? We all have a place that we go to at times and drink from shame or guilt or despise or some label that was put on our life or some limiting thought. And we go and we drink from it. what Jesus is saying is you and I don't have to live at the level of our labels any longer. That we can, we can go and drink from living water and go, I'm not going to take this well. on. I'm not going to go out here to this thing and satisfy something in my life that can't be quenched by anything but living water. You're not intended to live by a label. You're not meant to lift that load or carry that burden. You can't. And here's the reality. Nothing can quench it except living water. And, and the more we find this, the more that we try to quench it, the more labels we put on ourselves on top of it. Usually we try to go get rid of a label by getting another identity and another label. And then we go get another label. That's why Jesus says, hey, where's your husband? She goes, I'm not married. He goes, you're right. You've been married five times. Label, 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 la trying to quench it, quench it, quench it, quench it, quench it. Now you're with a boyfriend been trying to label. And then we usually take on more labels. You ever seen one of those cars with like a thousand bumper stickers, a hundred bumper stickers? Listen, if you, if you have more than one bumper sticker on your car, I'm about to make fun of you. So just, just settle in. <laughs> like whenever I see a car with like, I mean, you know, one, two, I can deal with like, okay, over two, I start judging you. I do. I just start wondering. I start labeling you. See two, I see a bunch, you see 10, 20 bumper stickers on the car. You know what I start doing? I start thinking in my mind, I'm like, okay, what, I pull up beside them and I try to see if the person matches the, the statements on the bumper sticker of where they are. I'm like, that doesn't look like that person. No way, they ain't into all that. You know, or does it match? I start labeling the labeler. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, what are they? Do they match that label? And I'm like, that's weird. And then the next thought I think of after I do that, I was like, man, how did they did they buy that car that way? Did they put all those on them themselves? Like how many? They confused. If you have more than two, you're confused, somebody. 
Like, they really believe in all that? They put all that on the, on the back of the car? Like they, I was like, did they buy it? And I think, well, maybe they bought it that way. I try to believe the best. Maybe they bought it that way. But then I'm like, then I go negative a little bit. I'm like, man, maybe they're just, are they too lazy to take all those off? And then I'm like, maybe there's not a way to get those off. I need to invent something to take bumper stickers off of used cars. What, ladies, when you wonder what your husband's thinking as he's driving, this, this is the thoughts. <laughs> how, how, how many labels have we just bought into? How, how many automobiles have we just purchased and just, it's just on our life now, just stuck there? How many messages and identities have we just paid, bought into and paid for and, and had reinforced and tried to cover them up and put more stickers and just let everything else identify our life? Man, sometimes we have to do the hard work of going and getting those, those things off. Come on, today is a buff and shine, baby. We're getting off the bumper stickers. We're getting off the labels. I don't know what label's been put on you. I want to say this to you, and I, we're not going to do it right now, but at the end of service, we have more water baptisms next service. Maybe today is a day for you to actually go and wash the label off, to, to wash the residue off. Maybe you've peeled the label off, but there's still that little residue, and it still reminds you of stuff, and you still drink from that well at times, and you've been trying to get that stuff off, and you know, it just gets sticky. And today, maybe the living water can actually rinse that and refresh that off of your life. I just don't want to live there for myself or for you, and if we're going to reach people, we've got to get rid of labels. Jesus says, I'll give you living water, and she says, I want it. Here's the problem with a label on your life and on someone else's life. It always describes one moment in someone's life, but never displays the full destiny of their life. A label is one picture. It's actually Satan's Snapchat. It's one little moment that he snaps and begins to hold it against you and remind you of it. And it's this one little thing. And I just don't want to be Snapchatted by Satan. Come on, somebody. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. And it doesn't scare her off. She doesn't run. They have this conversation. They talk politics and religion. The two things you're not allowed to talk about. They talk politics and religion right here. Jesus begins to converse with her. And she says this. And everybody thinks she changes the subject. She says, she says you Jews, after he says, listen, I'll give you living water. She says, you Jews say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. You've just read my mail about my husbands and about you're a prophet and you must be a man of God and, and all this. But you Jews say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. And we say we're supposed to worship here in this well where Jacob worshiped. And people have said over, over history and time that she was changing the subject, that she was trying to correct Jesus, that she was trying to hide behind religion. That's not what she was doing. She wasn't trying to hide behind religion. She was not doing that whatsoever. She was asking a question in the midst of all the labels, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the turmoil and hurt, in the midst of the Democrats and the Republicans and Fox and CNN, in the midst of black and white and Hispanic and Asian, in the midst of all the divides, in the midst of upper class, lower class, middle class, in the midst of all, the, all of it, in the midst of my pain and my hurt, my own family not loving me, in the midst of me being thirsty and coming out here in the middle of the day to hide from my pain, in the midst of all that, where do I find God? Where do I find him? How do I find him? Because my people say they know God and these people say they know God and, and everybody has their own label and their own agenda. She's asking a genuine question. Where do I find God? And Jesus says, it's not a place. It's a person. It's living water. And my heart for us is that people would come in here and they're asking the same question. Where do I find God when the world's labeled me? Where do I find God when I've been cast out or rejected by church or religion or work or friends or family? Where do I find God when this addiction's hurt me? Where do I, where do I find God? 
Where do I remove these labels off my life? It's the living water of Jesus that we'd be a church that gives people living water. We wouldn't label people that aren't like us. Here's several lessons, and I want to pray for you. Number one, several lessons we have to have. Number one, all people are worthy of honor. All people are worthy of honor. All people. This woman, she's been cast out at the sixth hour. Everybody's in her business. Everybody's despising her, gossiping, whispering about her. She's been branded. She's broken, living in a small town. Everyone knows her mess, been rejected and full of shame. Jesus doesn't allow any of that to change the way he treats her. He shows up and begins to have a conversation with her. He loves her. He gives grace and care. He says some hard things, but he honors her. Do you, do you know no one's ever come to Christ through condemnation and us looking down on them? No one's ever come to Christ with a finger at, pointed at their face. No one's ever come to Christ without us honoring them and loving them and conversing with them. Number one, everyone deserves honor. We're to be a conduit of love and grace and compassion and sincerity. Where can I find God? Amongst a people like this with grace and compassion and sincerity and love and people that will love you, living water. Number two, all people are worthy. All people, all people, all people are worthy of being heard. All people are worthy of being heard. Do you know this is the longest recorded conversation in the Gospels? Between Jesus and anybody or between anybody. This is the longest conversation. I think it's purposely done. A woman that's been rejected by society and isolated out to shame and fear and disgrace. It's the longest conversation Jesus has with anybody. That you and I are called to honor people and converse with people and love people. He actually camps out in this area for 48 hours. He sets a little camp out and he hangs out and he gives this kindness. It's a habit of his and it's a conversation of his. And we need to make conversations instead of making points. And we don't live in a culture that does that any longer. And I don't want the church, if we're going to be devoted to God's altar and take a stand on the foundation of truth, we better be devoted to some real relationships and conversations, not just making points and being right. Or we won't reach anybody. All people are worthy of being heard. Number three, all people are worthy of hearing the truth without insult. All people are worthy of hearing the truth without insult. Jesus says a hard thing. You've been married five times. One year with not your husband. But he doesn't insult her. This is what he does. He describes her reality without defining her character. So this is going to help some marriages, business partnerships, relationships, husbands, wives, kids, every, you know, families. You can, you can describe the reality without defining their character. He doesn't look down on her. He gives her the reality. He doesn't insult her. It's, it's, in, it's not insult or injury. He gives her these words and he's not harming her. He says, hey, listen, here's the truth. Your husband, it's not your husband. This is what you're going through. He speaks truth with an observation without condemnation. Truth and observation without condemnation. It comes from grace. It comes from grace, not moralism. Can I tell you that Jesus does not give her moralism? What do you mean, pastor? He doesn't give her grace plus a prescription to go change her life with rules and regulations to become what he wants her to become. A lot of us have a little moralist in us. 
We all do. We want to give grace and faith to people, but then, but then we want to say, okay, and here's the rules you need to do to disciple your life and clean yourself up. We like to do that because, here's why, because we feel like there needs to be some rules and regulations so people actually prove themselves worthy of redemption or prove themselves. Why do we want to let go of our history and hold others to theirs? Here's my point with moralism. And you're like, I don't believe this. It's not true. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the, the, the story. Jesus does not say, if you come to me, I'll give you living water. And now go back to your fourth husband and your third husband and your second husband and your first husband and, and get married back to your first husband after you've talked to all the other th- husbands. I know people in the church, if someone's been divorced, they say, oh, they're in adul- adultery forever. My mom's been divorced. She's remarried, loves God, serving God with all her heart. There's certain groups of people and different things say that, that person can never be not in adultery again. They take one statement Jesus says and twist it about divorce and now say that person's in adultery the rest of their life. Can I just tell you, I want to set somebody free today. Can I just tell you the reality? Jesus, he recognizes every marriage as a marriage. He doesn't say, hey, the one you're married, the one you're with now is a boyfriend and you were, in a, you married once and you were in adultery a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, and now you're not married. He doesn't do that. He classifies every one of those marriages as a marriage and says, hey, and the person you're with now is not married. He doesn't say, hey, go back and fix it all. No, he says, just receive living water. And we're so busy trying to clean everybody up. Here's the thing. Our church is meant for broken, hurt, sinning people that are messed up, jacked up, that need help. Everybody's welcome. Here's the thing. Just come and drink. Just come and get living water. If you'll just keep coming and drinking and keep coming, discipleship is Jesus. Uh, Sanctification, if you read the scriptures and where the word sanctification is, it's capital S because it's not a, 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 a program. It's a person. It's Jesus. Sanctification is Jesus. Like, like, I'm not saying you don't need to clean your life up, but you can clean your life up. You just keep coming to living water and he perfects the work on the inside of you. He does the job, not you. You can't do the job. So all people are worthy of being heard and not being put down. They're worthy of getting grace, not just moralism and rules that we think we can check the box off so their life looks like our life. No, no, we give grace and care Love, all people are worthy of being heard. And the last one, all people are worthy of unconditional love. Everybody. We write people off before God does. We write ourselves off before God does. We label. We forget that we have living water. We put other things on ourselves. What are we called to do? Let me just say this. When you're reaching people, praying for people, loving people, it's not your gospel. Put your ego down. It's not your blood. It's not your name. It's not your gospel. It's not your scriptures. They're his. We're called to love fervently, pray fervently, consider people, give grace, communicate kindly, stay in conversations consistently. I don't know the day Jesus is going to show up in Samaria. I don't know the day Jesus is going to show up to my friends and my family and my coworkers. I don't know the day when he walks into Samaria. I want to be a part of that conversation of living water. I want to be a part of that conversation of grace. The tears in this baptismal tank today were making me cry. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of seeing Jesus do things in people's lives and change people's stories. Man, come on, living water. In Genesis chapter three, and I'm going to pray for you. Don't check out on me. I got two minutes and 36 seconds left. Don't you dare look at that clock behind you. I know who you are. 
In Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve mess up and sin. They blow it. Adam sins against God. The Bible says that he actually runs and hides. And it says that God comes looking for him. Aren't you thankful God comes looking for us? And it says this, he runs and he hides and he's in, and God begins to talk to him. He says he hides because he's in shame because he's naked, naked in the South. He's in shame because he's naked and he's fearful. And God says to him, one statement that'll change your life. Number one, he's labeled himself with fear. He's labeled himself with shame. He's labeled himself with guilt. Labeled himself with fear and hiding from God. I'm hiding from God. I'm fearful. That's what we do when we have that. When we label ourselves, we hide from God. And God said, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm hidden because I'm, I'm naked. And God said, who told you that? You can go read it. The only thing God says, who told you that? Who told you that you were no good? Who told you that you would never amount to anything? Who told you that you, you won't have any blessing in your family? Who told you that you are a, a dropout? Who told you that, that your destiny isn't beautiful? Who told you that God doesn't have a plan? Who told you that you're divorced and there's no help for you? Who told you that you'll never be financially sound? Who told you that? Who told you that you'll never measure up? Who told you that? Who told you that this relationship will never work? Who told you that they're no good? Who told you? Who told you? Maybe you told yourself. And I just want to peel off labels today. I, I want God's living water to wash off the residue today from my life, from your life. We get labels or living water. I choose living water. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for just the water of your word that washes us. Thank you for the love of your word that heals us. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today that you would wash in a new way, that they would drink from you, that every addiction, that every devotion would be from the well of living water, that, Lord, that we would treat people as such, that we would, that we would have a flow from the source. Lord, as we interact with people that aren't like us, maybe it's people of different gods and different cultures, and they have different altars. Lord, we wouldn't change our altar, but God, we would interact with others with a living source of water, not a, not a political source, not a, not a divided source, not some label we put on our own life. We have the living water. And Lord, whatever flows from us comes from the source. And so I pray for a source of living water today and every person in this room being Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your river would flow through this place and your waters would wash off every residue of a label that anyone's taken on themselves or had placed against them. That we'd walk out of here clean and free, God, a fresh, brand new start. If you're in this room, no one looking around for a second, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've put a label on your life of, I'm going to do it myself. I've got shame or guilt or fear. Can I tell you that Jesus came to this planet as God lived perfect, died a shameful death, destroyed himself on a tree to give you his life and to clean you of all labels and give you eternity, to take the shame and the guilt and the fear, to take the ego and the pride, to take that all off your life and to give you the God life. The Bible says if you would just simply believe that, just simply surrender your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start today. You get a lot of that labels washed off your life and you get the life of God given to the inside of your heart and you get eternity with God. The Bible says Jesus did that and he rose from the dead. I don't know where you are with God and your walk with him. I don't know what label you're carrying. Maybe you're watching online and 
you're hearing my, the sound of my voice today. And you're like, you know what? I need Jesus. I can't lift this on my own any longer. I can't lead my own life. I, I can't get these labels off. I've tried. You've tried to get the labels off of your own life. I did it. I remember. I tried to find, get, get perversion off my life, get addiction off my life, get alcohol off my life, get the wrong people. Off. I tried to get it all off my life, and I just kept putting more stickers onto my life. And the only thing that freed me was the blood of Jesus. He died for me on that tree. Maybe you're in this place and you've done everything to wash your own life and you know you can't. Today's the day of surrender. No judgment, no shame. We've all been there. No one's looking around. I'm not gonna embarrass you or bring you forward. But if you're in this room or you're online right now watching online, would you just type in, I need a fresh start, I'm ready. I need a fresh start. We wanna pray for you. And then if you're in this room, you say, you know what, I'm ready. I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. Would you put your hand up high and bold to me right now? Pray for me, pastor. I need a fresh start with God. Thank you for your boldness, sir. Thank you for your honesty. I, I need a fresh start. Anybody else? Just a second. Thank you for your, your honesty. Thank you for your boldness. I need living water. I can't, I can't do it on my own. I can't carry this burden any longer. I want to give it to Jesus. I believe he rose from the dead. Hands across the room. Boldness across the room. Courage in this room. I'm going to pray for you. Just pray with me a simple prayer. No magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I surrender to you as God. I believe you died for me on that cross. You took every label. You took all my shame, my guilt, my mistakes. You took my sins. I turn from that life. I repent and I bow my knee to you as God today. You're the one that quenches my thirst. You didn't stop on the cross. You rose from the dead to give me a brand new heart. Give me a brand new heart. Holy Spirit, make my heart brand new to be alive to God, to serve him the rest of my life and to be with him in eternity in all my days. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, would you guys give God praise in this place? Man, what a day. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.